215 seconds feels like a long time when you're forced to just sit with it and confront it, doesn't it? Hello again, everyone, and welcome to another episode of PH5. Um, I wasn't sure if I was even gonna bother doing this one today. I've been feeling pretty off about what's come to light here in Canada regarding the discovery of the bodies of the 215 indigenous children at the residential schools. Just the one school. There are plenty more and that means you can be sure there are plenty more bodies to be found if anyone would even bother to go looking for them. And I didn't know if I could sit here and record a 45 minute long podcast talking about music and generally things that bring me joy. Given all this, is it right to do that? How can I indulge in something else other than just experiencing to the fullest extent that I possibly can the grief involved with not only this discovery, but indigenous people and what they've been going through for hundreds of years now. But I decided to power through, and we're going to do it anyway. Um, mostly because I just don't really have time otherwise, other than right now. So you know what? Maybe getting the opportunity to talk and get it all out will kind of um, feel cleansing in a way. And relieving. Uh, the episode did start with 215 seconds of silence as a tribute. It's not nearly enough. Um, I gotta do more. We all do. But for now, you know what? Let's talk about music. Let's talk about the music in the month of May. Um, full disclosure, I am a tiny bit stoned. I couldn't fathom doing this in the state of mind I was in beforehand. So if things get a little bit weird and cloudy and what I'm saying doesn't really make sense or makes less sense than I normally make, now you know why. I moved in May. It's also my birthday in May, my second pandemic birthday. Um, so that was cool. So May was uh, an interesting month um, for me in my life. Lots of change. And as always, I turned to music and new music because it's hard to get excited. There's not a lot of like exciting stimulus being thrown at us anymore, I guess. Well, with, you know, being trapped at home. Although I did get vaccinated first dose, by the way. So shout out Chet Hanks, white boy summer incoming. Um. But it's just something to look forward to every week, you know? Every Friday morning, I wake up a little bit earlier than normal and I put on my coffee and I just take a look. All right, what has the week got to offer? Weird that I'm saying that on a Friday, but you know what I mean in terms of new music releases. 
And it's an exciting time of week and I look forward to it. And I put on these new albums and they're fresh experiences for my ears. And for a little while, you know, life is exciting again. That being said, May, I don't know if it was a strong month for music, generally. I mean, I listened to a bunch of albums that I liked. I uh, listened to a bunch that I didn't like, too, though. Um, and there was also kind of a weird drought in the second week of May. Where, like, kind of nothing really exciting or notable came out. But I'll talk a little bit about how that affected my music listening experience for the month later, because that directly ties into one of the albums featured on today's conglomerate of lists. Why don't we get started? And I'm gonna have a nice big gulp of Tim Hortons coffee. You guys know that Tim Horton died like in a hideous car wreck when he was fucked up on drugs or whatever and like killed people? I was gonna say like, good coffee though, but that's not even true, it's not. Um, but there's something about it, you know? Something about it that you just want to have in your mouth. Um, let's get started on the month of music, and as always, we will start off with number five. And then go to number four, and then number three. And then we'll do the mentions, and then we'll do two, and then we'll do one. You guys have got the format down by now. This is episode five. Patterns have been well established. And you, the listener, are smart enough to catch on to them by now, I'm sure. So, thanks again for tuning in. Sorry for the weird intro. It's a weird time. I'm in a weird mood. We're working through it. The power of podcasting, baby. This is Phil's Five. Okie dokie, number five for the month of May is the album Between the Richness by Fiddlehead. <laughs> Imagine that, a guy with a fiddle for a head. That's just ridiculous. So this album is the second full length by the band and it's basically the project of X Have Heart member I don't know his name, but he was in kind of seminal hardcore band Have Heart that featured the largest audience ever at a hardcore show for their like last show ever, which is a cool little tidbit of Nalagio. Um, and so this band is kind of his like, let's call it like dad hardcore. Um, it's a lot about him having recently become a father and, you know, approaching the middle age stage of his life and just kind of reflecting and dealing on all that. And the music's really interesting because Dad Hardcore is just like the perfect summary for what it sounds like. It's <laughs> he like has that kind of gruff yell melodic gruff yell thing that you would kind of associate with you know hardcore music but he does it in a in a very kind of calm and soothing way where it, it it's not gruff or harsh at all it's just like oh this is just kind of how this guy sings um the, the the melodies and hooks are, are really just simple. It, it kind of sounds like pop punk, but 
Like, imagine your dad in a pop-punk band. Uh, and he, your dad used to be in a hardcore band, if that makes sense. Um, <laughs> picture your dad in a, a pop-punk band. <laughs> I want you to just take a second and picture your dad in a pop-punk band. Listener. Um, so... It's a cool album with, it's just extremely digestible. It's really, really easy to listen to. Songs are all like two minutes long and it's just kind of stuffed with easy hooks and simple melodies. And it's a cool, it's a cool type of music that it it just kind of exists in the space between for so many things. Like it's, it's not quite hardcore but it's not quite pop-punk. It's not quite emo. It's just kind of almost a lot of things, uh, which is kind of a cool experience. Um, Also, the the guy's dad's name is Richard and his kid's name is Richard. So that's why why the album's called Between the Richness, which is funny. So that's number five, Fiddlehead Between the Richness. Okay, number four. Um, you guys are gonna have to bear with me for this one. Uh, number four goes to Ioso Noun Kane. <laughs> Why didn't I look up how to pronounce this before I recorded this? Um, Ioso Noun Kane. That's probably more right because I think the guy is Italian. Uh, with IRA or IRA again probably should have confirmed these details before recording the episode I will make sure that I have this album uh, written in the description so that if for whatever reason you weren't able to decipher what I just said when I said the guy's name I also noun can he um you can just look there for the proper spelling, etc. Anyway, that's kind of embarrassing. So this is a really interesting record, really cool. Um, it's a it's a beast of an album. It's like an hour and fifty minutes long, just under two hours. And two hours of what, Phil? What what does this album sound like? Um, that's a toughie. Uh, so while listening to this album, like I was thinking about, okay, like what exactly, how would I describe this? And it made me think about like the different, I like to talk about this apparently, you know, genre descriptors and signifiers that exist, but it made me also think about the kind of cultural lens through which we talk about these genres. Um, for example, with this album. So when I was trying to think of how I would describe the music I was listening to, I wanted to say like ele- electronic, like ambient electronic, but the thing is this doesn't sound like what we as North Americans, as Western society, think of when we think of electronic music. You know, we have kind of a base of that style of music rooted in, you know, Detroit techno and and, and UK garage. And like, we, we understand electronic music through primarily Western origins of the music. Um, But the sounds that, here we go, Ioso Noun Kani, I'm getting good at it, if I'm saying it right, which there's no way I am. Um, He draws on sounds that 
don't have origin in Western civilization. Or at least not how you would traditionally think of them. Uh, it draws upon a lot of African sounds and, and, and not only sounds, but like scales. Like he uses a lot of Middle Eastern scales in these songs that so even the melodies that you're listening to and and the notes and the harmonics and everything are 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 very different from what our ears are accustomed to so sure it's electronic music but through a completely different lens um the entire album is in various european and african languages uh, if there is any English, I I just didn't pick up on it. It's a long album, sorry. Um, and again, the, the instrumentation is hard to exactly... For me, anyway. I mean, I can only draw upon my own experiences with music. And unfortunately, my primary experiences are through Western civilization and culture so listening to this record and listening to the different instruments and whatnot that are at least being sampled or maybe live i'm not sure i i can't identify them because i'm just not familiar with the lens that he's decided to or she again <laughs> Wow, why didn't I research anything? Stupid. Again, it, I'm sorry guys, it's been a... It's been a busy month, and a weird one. Um, and that just completely derailed my train of thought. The instruments, right. It comes from somewhere... Just... Somewhere that I'm not familiar with, and somewhere that I'm sure a lot of listeners probably aren't familiar with. <clears throat> that makes it really interesting to listen to. It's a, it's a, again, a very long album, and because there's a lot going on that your ears and minds just aren't really used to hearing, it's a very fascinating journey. You're not just gonna like sit here and just like actively listen to this one. Um, it has lots of ambient stretches. Uh, again, that sound great and are really cool, but you know, you, you're gonna just wanna have this playing in the background maybe while you're doing something else. Now that being said, it, it's not, it's, it's an extremely unsettling record too at times with just weird tones and, and really just like creepy sounds and, and, and unusual chord changes that make you feel kind of queasy. Uh, it, it's it's weird and, and, and very dark at times and, and very unsettling for sure. But it's also gorgeous and all those kind of haunting moments are always pretty evenly outweighed by the moments of beauty. So. Number four, Ayoso Naunkini. Well, I mean, that sounds convincing at that point. Again, if I'm even saying it right. With IRA. And I will for sure make sure that that is in the description of the episode so that you can check it out yourself. Okay, number three is dot 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 and again into the light by Panopticon. I'm not going to do the dot 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 every time, I promise. It was just that first time to kind of be stupid. So, Panopticon is one man black metal project from a gentleman 
who is from Kentucky. And he's always made a very interesting kind of folky, woodsy style of black metal that really speaks to his home state of Kentucky and his kind of reclusive nature. He just like kind of lives in the woods or whatever. Um, and I mean, that kind of sounds like a lot of black metal guys, right? But what I really like about Panopticon is his uh, fascination with nature and how that bleeds through in the music he makes. So I was describing this to a friend the other day about what it is exactly about black metal, this really ugly, theoretically, form of music that I like so much. <clears throat> like, how can you like something that is so disgusting, right? Uh, well, I guess the short answer is because I don't think it's ugly at all, and I think it's, it can be very beautiful. And so I try to describe it like this. It essentially comes down to what kind of person you are. Do you find beauty in thunderstorms? You know? Do you see the beauty in heavy seas? Basically, are you in awe of the potential power that nature can have? And do you see the beauty in that power? Because that's what I see and that's what I hear and that's what I feel when I listen to a lot of black metal, but very specifically Panopticon. He's got a incredible attention to detail with the way that he writes his songs and the instrumentation that he uses and even the mixing that he does that just really brings to mind is just so evocative of the power of nature. And he kind of splits his music between a, a very, very folky, kind of folk rock, basically, simple acoustic guitars and, and strings and, and bagpipes, just very evocative of like a Scottish countryside, maybe, you know? And is he mixes that with just a very cacophonous black metal where, I mean, you know what it sounds like, but he throws strings in and, 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 all, and, and all those folky instruments, he, he uses all of those as well. And drums are obviously very important for black metal. You know, that classic blast beat that, that almost more or less defines what the genre is. But what I really like about how he approaches his music, he basically buries his vocals and puts the drums on, at the front and center of the mix and kind of splays all the other instruments out around the drums and it just creates this very almost thunderous effect where the rattling of the blast beats just causes this momentum that 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 really brings everything forward and it just it just feels like you're caught in the middle of a thunderstorm listening to it and his screams kind of reverbed and compressed down in the background and the tremolo guitars it's 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 fascinating how he does it he's uh, he's really got his sound figured out and his last album was a double album where the first the first was more or less a straight up black metal album and the second one was a straight up folk album 
So I was kind of worried that when he was going to release new music, it was going to be kind of more of this, and that um, he would lean more into the folk songwriting side. But, no, this is just more or less front to back, straight up badass, dope black metal. Um, the folk stuff is there, but it's more integrated into the black metal songs. It's 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 a it's a great record, and I don't want to say return to form because the last record was awesome for sure, but this one really sees him kind of taking command of a style that he's responsible for creating. So that's number three, Panopticon and again into the light. These are the mentions. Nice, very good job. Okay, the mentions, for those of you who are deciding to join on episode five, cool place to start, I guess, uh, are the records that didn't quite make the cut of the five that I wanted to talk about and highlight, but there was still something about them that I feel like I want to talk to you guys about, you know? Something worth mentioning. So let's start off the bat with the honorable mention. Um... Fuck, what's this album called? So, the honorable mention for this month is the debut album by Storefront Church called As We Pass. So, this record released on Sergeant House Records, one of my favorite record labels and probably the only reason I ended up checking this record out, really. Uh, is by a gentleman whose name I don't know, <clears throat> of course. Uh, he occasionally drums for Phoebe Bridgers and has been on a few of her albums. So that's kind of, I guess, where he cut his teeth in the industry. And under the name Storefront Church, this is his debut record. I wanted to give it the honorable mention because I think it is a very promising debut record. Uh, he plays music kind of in the style of, think of like Radiohead's ballads in the 90s, um, mixed with like early Grizzly Bear, uh, but like kind of darker than both those, just make it, I mean, come on, it's me, you know it's gotta be a little bit dark somewhere. Um, it's a great record, he, uh, it's very, very, again, I'll use the word promising. I think that in time, maybe his next record, probably like his third record, I'd be surprised if he made that big of a jump already, but he's got the potential to make a very, very good album. Um, songwriting needs some work. I've listened to the album like two or three times now, and I offhand can't really remember any songs <laughs> or how they go, but I really enjoy it when I'm listening to it. So if he just gets a little bit of help or does a little bit of work in that department, he's got his sound pretty down pat, he knows what he's doing, he just needs to tighten up the songwriting a little bit, make some actual memorable stuff, and I think this guy is going to be a, a hit in a few years. So, honorable mention, storefront church, as we pass. Keep going man, you got this, okay? Like, just try again, okay? Just try again, you'll nail it. The mention, so, uh, the mention for this month is going to be Hagbulbia by the band Portal. Um, 
Any big portal hand fans? <laughs> portal hands. Any big portal hands? That'd be sick. Um. Any big portal fans in the house? Wow, I, I went through that whole thing just to get to a stupid bit that it doesn't even matter because no one can hear me or respond to me. You can hear me if you're listening to the podcast. Um, Portal is this long-running, like, super extreme metal band from Australia. And they've kind of carved out a name for themselves over the past few decades. They've been on for almost 30 years for making just some of the most abrasive off-putting, like, chaotic death metal that you've ever heard. Like, that's literally their thing. Like, their music is just, like, so intense. Um, it's great, you know? They, they've, they've released tons of great records. And if you're in the mood, it's a blast to listen to. Are you often in the mood? Um... Well, I can only speak for myself. Am, am I often in the mood? Um, again, if we're talking about Portal here, uh, yeah, not 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 especially. But you know, every every now and then I'm feeling it, and I can put it on and just kind of marvel at how absurd what I'm listening to is. So the reason I wanted to bring up this record was because a few months ago Portal announced they were releasing a new album called Avow. Um, I was stoked. It's the first album in, I think, three years. So, always down for some madness from Down Under. Uh, please do not soundbite that out of context. Um, so, last week, a vow came out, and listened to it and I was like yeah okay you know it's another Porter album it's pretty intense pretty gnarly pretty disgusting but you know I enjoy it it's it's good stuff you know you kind of know what you're getting when you listen to these guys but what they did a little bit later on that day is they released another album um called again Hag Bulbia and this is a Bandcamp only release so I finally got around to checking that one out. And the reason why I wanted to have it as my mention for this month is because, like, this album made the other album they released sound like, like, fucking Barney and Friends soundtrack. Like, this was, this might be just the most absurdly abrasive album that I've ever heard. It's just... It's... It's... The gnarliest shit of all time. Um... Like, regular Portal, you can kind of be in the mood for sometimes. Uh... I, I don't know what mood you'd have to be in in order to listen to this thing and really be into it. Uh... But if you ever do get in that mood, uh, call the cops on yourself immediately. Uh, just kidding. A cab. But you know what I'm saying. It's just disgusting. So, it's a fascinating document of just how putrid music can be. And if that sounds like something you might be into, again, um,. Maybe call a friend and ask them to come over and look after you for the next little while. But before you do that, make sure you check out this new Portal album. Again, it's called, uh, fucking Bulbasaur or some shit. Uh, Hag Bulbia. Close enough. And now, for the fun one, the Dishonorable Mention. So, okay. The dishonorable mention for the month of May is going to the newest Black Midi album, Cavalcade. Ooh, hot take. Um, okay, so... <laughs> 
This is weird because... I honestly never thought I would say this, but my main gripe with the album, or my main gripes with the album, are, are things that I usually view as positives in other albums. It's just too weird. Um, so their debut came out in 2019, 18 or 19. Um, it was a solid record, incredibly raw and unpolished, but it, it really had the people talking um, and hyping them up as kind of the next big art rock band out of the UK. So they kind of had a lot, a lot of expectations for this follow-up record because the first one was such a, a kind of strange and bewildering record that it's kind of like where where could they possibly go after this um their sound was very raw for sure but it all was also almost fully formed and you you listen to the album and you're like okay this is their only album but i know exactly what a black midi song is it doesn't sound like anyone else but they've kind of created a whole genre onto themselves within the span of this one record. So, I guess when you have expectations that high and your music is so kind of difficult to pin down, yet easy to identify, which sounds like a contradiction, but I think it is also applicable. Uh, Looks like the option that they decided to take was to just blow everything up to the biggest extreme they possibly could. So everything gets louder here. Everything gets quieter here. Um, everything gets kind of crazier here. But everything also gets a lot more beautiful here. And the first time I listened to it, I was so excited and just like whoa this is crazy this is a what a what a cool record this is wild um but the initial kind of befuddlement and amusement kind of wore off about halfway through and i found myself struggling to even finish the record for the first time i was listening to it it was just like oh like this is just a lot and I've since returned to it two or three times. And each time I listen to it, I just like it less and less. And I've decided it's like, it's basically unlistenable. Like, what the fuck is this shit, guys? Like, it, it sounds, it sounds like an art project. And I don't mean that in a good way. I mean it as in it just sounds like there's no heart in this thing. There's no soul. It's just them. Hmm, how can we make this kind of the wildest, weirdest record we possibly can? And they're very talented at playing their respective instruments. It's, it's, it's just, I don't know. Maybe I'm getting old, you know? Maybe it's me that needs to change and not them. Because certainly as a younger guy, I probably would have loved this shit. But then again, I don't, I don't know. Because as crazy as it is and as wild of a ride this record is, I just don't believe them. It doesn't feel like any of the music that they're playing or any of these songs actually have any connection to the people that are playing it and i i need to hear that because i think that's the most powerful part of music is that it it almost acts as a a weird psychic beam of emotion you know, it's, it's, it's ability to transport feeling from one person to another. And there's just no feeling here. It's just... 
It's... It's all sparkle without... The, uh... uh, uh sparkle without the, uh... You know. You know what I'm trying to say. I, I, uh... I'm, I can't finish that metaphor. I don't know what to say. Anyway, dishonorable mention is Black Midi Cavalcade. Terrible. Don't even bother. These are the mentions. Which brings us to our final two records of the month. So, number two is Pray for Haiti by Makami. Uh, last month we had Benny the Butcher. No, it wasn't Benny. It was Conway the Machine with La Makina. Right, and I did that annoying accent. Um, and I talked about how that was probably my favorite hip-hop release of the year so far. And not anymore, because it's definitely this one. Uh, funnily enough, Makami is also Griselda-affiliated. Uh, he's not a member of the Core 3, but Westside Gun did executive produce this record and appears on a few of the songs. Um... This is just a sensational album. It's uh, easily my favorite hip hop record of the year so far. So why, why, why do you make such claims? Um, so being affiliated with Griselda, you kind of have, you have an idea of what you're gonna hear when you listen to this and you're only partially correct. So it does pull from the same kind of New York underground 90 style boom bap as a lot of the rest of the Griselda gang do. But what's really unique is Makami's kind of keenness to be a little bit more experimental with things. And the beats are kind of like The beats are like fragmented versions of standard boom bap underground New York style beats. Um, it's kind of a trippier, more psychedelic version of those same sounds, which Griselda already makes some pretty psychedelic beats, but uh, yeah, the way that he approaches them is a lot more unique and he's definitely willing to use weirder source samples for his music. Um, and it kind of gets the effect that as you're listening, you're not really sure what exactly he's going to rap over next, which is a lot of fun. As for his rapping and the vocal aspect itself, what really sets Makami apart from the rest of Griselda is, I'd say the youthfulness in his voice, but not only youthfulness, but melody and playfulness. Uh, he, he sounds a lot like Moss Def or uh, Yasin Bey as he's known now, um, but mixed kind of with more of a, a, a Caribbean kind of lilt to his voice. Again, he is, uh, is, he's from New York, but he's, his family's Haitian, and the record talks a lot about Haiti. In fact, uh, there are several interludes throughout the record that speak to, um, Haiti's border control issues and, uh, the language of Creole and how it passes through the people of Haiti. So, there's a lot of very personal moments throughout the record where you can tell, you know, it really means a lot to him. It's kind of like the opposite of the Black Midi record 
where I, I don't really feel like this means anything to anyone. Um, the way that he's kind of thrown in all these little interludes and clips about Haiti and Haitian culture really just shows how important the music is to him. And it's more than just, you know, him bragging and, and, and going off on whatever bars on the record. It's, it's, a, it's a very personal project to him. Uh, he's a lot more melodic than a lot of the other Griselda guys. He's more akin to going into a kind of sing-songy cadence as he's rhyming. Um, he'll outright break out into singing at some parts. But it's mostly just bars, and this guy's hilarious. He's a... It's almost a non-stop just quotables from the first part of the record to the end. Um, he's got away with words. He will make you laugh out loud several times throughout listening to the record. And it's really cool how he can be really funny, yet really personal kind of at the same time. And he's funny in a way that's like... Sometimes you can't even tell if he's being funny, like you're laughing, but you're like, should I be laughing? I don't really know. Um, yeah, he's interesting. He's he's very unique and he's kind of mysterious. Like no one actually knows his true identity. Um, and because of that, his identity is not integral necessarily to the record. Um, it's hard to get really, really boastful and intimate about yourself personally if the whole idea is that no one actually knows who you are. So again, he, he goes into talking about Haiti a lot and he's he's yeah, he brags and he, he goes off like that, but it's it's in very non-specific ways that make you think like, damn, like, you know, I, I'm, I'm stealing this shit for my uh, Instacap shit or whatever the fuck. It's a, it's a great album and he, it's definitely an album's album. It's only, I think, 13 or 14 songs, so it's not stuffed to game the streaming system. And the tracks kind of flow in suites as well. Uh, the last three songs all kind of flow into one to another and makes the project feel very full and complete, not just a collection of songs that you throw together. So, favorite hip hop album of the year so far. This is the one to beat for me. Number two on the list is Pray for Haiti by Mac Homie. So, number one for today, 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 this week, this month, this episode, that's what I'll settle on. This episode is... That's where you're all supposed to be doing your little drum rolls on your table at home. Seek Shelter by Ice Age. Woo! Um, so th I wasn't really expecting to like this album at all, to be honest with you. I used to be a huge Ice Age fan, and the lead singer, Elias Ronnefelt, is like my first ever massive guy crush. He's a beautiful man. Just look him up. Seriously. Wow. Um, I was a huge fan of their third record, Plowing Into the Field of Love, back in 2014. Um... There's this amazing picture of me at a show, a Nice Age show, in Ottawa, and I've just bought the record, and I'm right at the front, and I'm just like, <laughs> like, deeply, intensely yelling at Elias as he's singing, and I think there's a bit of a spark in the picture, you can see it, like, him and I, we definitely had a connection that night, but anyway... So I love that record, was really into them, and then their next record came out, uh, Beyondless, in, I think, 2017. 
and I just couldn't get into it. And it was kind of shocking at the time because I was really into the record before that. And I, I really thought this was a band that I was going to stick with for, for a long time. But it just it, it did nothing for me. And I just kind of stopped caring about them. Um, I mean, I, I was kind of alone in that. I feel like that record, they did really well, was really well received and people loved it, but it just wasn't for me for whatever reason. Couldn't get into it. And so I thought <laughs> uh, my Ice Age had finally thawed. It's a confusing metaphor. Um, so I wasn't really, I didn't really care when this album was announced and they started releasing songs. I didn't even bother listening to the singles. I was just like, sure, I, I, I kind of feel like I know what to expect. Um, and I'm not really interested in that. So when the album came out, I, 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 I listened to it, but it wasn't, it wasn't the first on my list of records that I want to listen to that week. It, it just, it was kind of an afterthought, like, oh, I guess I'll finally check out the new Ice Age record. And I remember listening to it and being shocked at a lot of what I was hearing but not in a bad way and being kind of intrigued. Like, uh, I, I wasn't really expecting this and I kind of like that. And I went back to it again. And then I went back to it again and again and again and again and again. And I just was obsessed with this record for probably about two weeks. And I want to make a quick comment here because I want to acknowledge something um, the way that I listen to music is, is since I want to listen to as much new stuff as I possibly can, most albums I listen to have about, get about a week, you know? Um, new releases come out on Friday, and I'll spend the weekend listening to as many of those as possible, and ones that I like, I'll return to, ones that, you know, I'm not too sure I feel about, I'll return to. Um, if I don't like it, you're probably not gonna get a second listen out of me unless I'm really invested in the artist already. Um, and if I really, really like the album or decide I like it, you know, I'll listen to it throughout the week along with all the other ones from that week that I liked. But then come the next Friday, I kinda have to go back and start the whole process over again. So this album came out and the first Friday of the year, the year, the month. Um, and the next Friday was this weird week where kind of nothing I was really interested in checking out came out. And the things that I did decide to listen to just did nothing for me. So the albums from that first drop in May kind of got an extra week of attention because of that. And this album, I would say, probably benefited from that. I did get... It was basically all I listened to for two weeks. So all the songs on this record now are like pretty deeply imprinted in my mind. And I've grown to love them and whatnot. And I'm actually pretty convinced at this point that this is probably my favorite record of the year so far. Um, But I just wanted to acknowledge that not every record got the treatment this one did because of the circumstances surrounding its release. Now, all that being said, I think this is probably Ice Age's best album. Um, they started out as a kind of very rough and tumble hardcore punk band, which they pretty quickly grew out of, um, again, kind of developing into that weird, like, baroque cowpunk of plowing into the field of love, which was amazing. So that's not who they are at all. They're, they're a rock band now, first and foremost. But the direction that they took with this album that I was certainly not expecting, but realized it in hindsight is, was a genius move, um, was Britpop. And I would say that Britpop and... Primal Scream, 
slash Rolling Stones are maybe probably the biggest influences on this record. Uh, the first time listening to the thing, I was like, this is a Blur album. This is just a freaking lost Blur record is what it sounds like. Shades of Blur, Shades of Oasis, um, Shades of Suede. Lots of those kind of big 90s, early 2000s Britpop acts are all over this record. And it just its kind of served to remind me how much I miss that style of music. And I think it was a genius move on their part because it's been long enough at this point that that kind of really rousing, huge choruses, kind of Britpop anthemic kind of music is probably going to come back in to style um, any day now. And there's potential for this record to kind of be that cornerstone, whatever wave this would be, of uh, Britpop coming back in, because it's just that good. Um, the songs are easily the best they've ever made. Uh, Elias is really settled into his voice, and he's not afraid to just really sing, you know? In the past, it's always kind of been singing through the lens of being like a punk vocalist. But he's a singer now, and he can be pretty. And, you know, it. what's always been very charming about Elias is he, he can sing, but he's not necessarily like a great singer. And with English being his second language as well, he just kind of, like the way that he just kind of falls flat on some notes and, you know, kind of awkward pronunciations of some words. It's just, it's just, it's a delight to listen to. It, it, I, I really don't mean those things as an affront to him or the way he sings at all because I think it really adds so much character and makes it so much fun to listen to and makes him such a fascinating vocalist. But his, his singing has improved so much. He's not afraid to just belt it out and, 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 and be that, you know, huge front man. Um, and the songs that, he've, that he's written for this are suited exactly for that. They're, they're, they're massive. The opening song, Shelter Song, is, is just, just such a humongous track. Like, I can't even imagine what this is gonna sound like live with thousands of people singing along. It's just insane. There's, they brought a choir in. Um, so we got some choir backing vocals on some songs, which just make them sound even bigger. Uh, there's Vendetta, uh, one of the singles they released on the album is almost like a, I don't want to say disco, but it, it, it's such a driving beat, and this has never really been Ice Age's M.O. to be big and have huge beats to be kind of playing and singing over but this is this is a new band and you know I'm sure a lot of people are gonna be dissatisfied with this record because it, it doesn't have that aggression that they used to have um, or that kind of youthful energy it's 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 a different style of music than they used to play it's it's it, it still sounds distinctly like them for sure, but it, it's Ice Age playing Britpop, and Ice Age just owning, like, we're a rock band, and we're gonna make just huge, big rock songs. So all of those inhibitions that kind of held them back before from, from being the best rock band they could be, you know, their, their origins in the hardcore scene and, and whatever, Elias's tendency to just be really, dare I say, pretentious. It's all gone now, and they've just owned what they are, and that is to say, at this point, I think easy to say, 
one of, if not Europe's greatest rock band. So that's number one, Seek Shelter by Ice Age. Guys, thank you so much for staying with me through this episode. Um, It's been nice to talk and think about something else for a little while. So, thank you for that. Um, If you can, please donate to the Indian Residential Schools Survivors If you can, please donate to the Indian Residential School Survivor Society. Uh, Their website is irsss.ca. All this coming out about the children's bodies being found is for sure going to be bringing up a lot of PTSD and a lot of the people who survived being at these schools, so... You know, these people are going to need help now more than ever. So please donate if you can. Again, that's irsss.ca. Thank you so much for joining me on this month's episode of PH5. I hope to be in a better mood next month and next episode. Stay strong. Go get your vaccine, and I'll talk to you guys soon. This is Phil May, PH5.